What joy this blessed assurance gives. I know that my Redeemer lives. Grace, mercy, and the peace of our risen and reigning Lord Jesus Christ be with you this day and every day for eternity. Amen. Christ is risen. We'll probably do that, you know, another half a dozen times through the course of the service because I just love it. Through the season of Lent, we were um, in a series of messages that we recorded on video in meditations that were available through the church website, and we took that on location. The reason we did that was because, well, number one, I didn't know that anybody could be here through the Lenten season, so it seemed like, well, just having another service streamed from this room was not necessary. We can do this in a different way. I'd done Advent from my house, but Lent from my house seemed a little strange. So over the course of the Lent season, there were some locations that we went to. Ash Wednesday, we were in a cemetery reminding us that we are dust and to dust we will return. That our lives are lived in this, in this broken world and that we still face death. The second week, we visited a hospital outside at a safe distance, to remind us that we deal with disease and illness, that the shadow of death is over this world. The third week, outside the prison walls, reminding us that we are captive to sin. We went to the wilderness, reminding us that we wander and we stray from God's path. Yet though, even, even though we wander, God still provides and guides us like he did people who wandered the wilderness for 40 years. A distance from the dump with the dump over my shoulder, we were reminded that there's just so much brokenness in this world and in our lives. And finally, out in the woods, reminding us that we're small, that we can feel alone and separated from God. All of this was reminding us of what we already know all too well, that the veil of death hangs over the world. Our first reading for this morning was found in Isaiah chapter 25, and verses 7 and 8 said this, He will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Death hangs over the world like a, like a funeral pall, like the the covering that is over all of us, that we can't escape it, that we can't get away from it, this this brokenness, we live in a broken and we feel it, we know it, it's existed ever since the fall, so through almost all of the history of the world, except for the brief period between creation and the fall, which is when Adam and Eve tasted that fruit that was forbidden, going against God's instructions, against his will for them. They were made to live forever and to walk and talk with God, which is the experience that they had until, well, until Satan came in and deceived them. With that first lie, you will surely not die. 
And yet in that moment, death came. So that brokenness affects us all. We deal with disasters and despair and everything breaks down. Scientists call that entropy, right? That everything goes from order to disorder. That things go from created to chaos. From made to unmade. From whole to broken down. And we can see it. We can see it in our lives as we go about our day. We can see things that are broken down. Things that are decaying. Just drive past a, a junkyard. And look at all the, the rusting things that are going from metal to earth. That iron is making its way back into the soil. Maybe slowly, but it is going. Good things don't seem to last. In our health, we suffer diseases and pain and people die. This veil of death covering all of creation means that people die. And the reason people die is because we are sinful people. That we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We don't need a reminder of that either. We feel the burden. We feel the weight. We feel the guilt. We have the memories. We know the pain, pain that we've felt because of someone else and pain that we've caused someone else to feel. And that's why Jesus was crucified for us. I mean, celebrating Easter means we're here at the foot of the cross where Jesus was crucified for us. And we heard these words in Romans. Oh, sorry, now we're backing up a chapter. We were in Romans 6. We had to back up a chapter into chapter 5 to look at this. That God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Good Friday demonstrates God's love for his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. See, that's what the cross is all about. It's about God's love for you and for me, not because we deserved it. It's his grace alone. His steadfast, unmerited love for you, for me, for each of us, for all of us. Good Friday meditation, just two days ago, we remembered this, God died, which does make sense. It doesn't compute in our minds that, that the almighty, everlasting, eternal God could die, but he did, and his death was for our sin. It was his purpose to be the sacrifice on our behalf, to seek and to save the lost, to lay down his life to pay the penalty for the sin that we have done. And we heard these words on Friday. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. But today, we move on and focus now on the cross, and we celebrate because Christ is risen. Yeah, probably five more at least. He's risen indeed. The tomb was empty. 
The women were expecting to anoint a body. That's why they went. Mark's gospel tells us that they rose early and were talking about the stone that would be in their way. They were talking about the obstacles they would face, not focused on the one who was crucified and his ability and his power and all the things that he even had said he would accomplish. The disciples weren't even there. They were still hiding in the upper room, right? Hiding from the people who had put Jesus to death, hiding in their fear, and probably facing the sorrow, feeling this reality that they had followed Jesus everywhere he went and listened to him and did things with him and participated in what's now being treated as this rebellion that has to be put down. And this leader, this one they, they hoped in, this one that they followed, this one that they expected so much from was now gone, dead. Now what? And so they hid and they mourned. But Jesus had told them he'd rise again. He told them, this is what's going to happen. We're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be killed, but three days later I will rise. Right? They missed it. Now, it's easy on this side of it to say, oh, how how ridiculous. Right? But I think if I were facing the fear of punishment and even the same crucifixion, a sorrow over the loss of this person whom I trusted and followed, I probably would be in the same position. I probably wouldn't be thinking, now did he say anything about dying? And What was it that he said a couple of weeks ago? Thomas. (laughs) Peter. Peter had his own sorrow, having denied Jesus. Each of those disciples had their own sorrow for having fled, abandoned him. So no one was looking for his resurrection. No one was waiting outside the tomb. Well, he said three days. Is it it morning or afternoon? He should have given us a time. The tomb was empty. And as much as the cross is a symbol of the Christian faith, and we have crosses on necklaces and on different kinds of attire and crosses adorning our our buildings, our steeples, right there behind the altar, the empty tomb, the stone that was rolled away, is equally as valuable. Just a harder symbol, I think, to put on the top of the steeple. A big rock. (laughs) Equally as valuable as the crucifixion is the resurrection. They're two sides of one coin. We don't separate the two of them. Jesus died for our sins, but Christ is risen. I thought I might sneak that one past you, but you're on your A game today. Jesus lives. This is the news of the young man in white. That's how Mark's gospel describes him. The one who 
surprised the women as they got to the tomb. And the stone was rolled away in this now what kind of moment that they had. Wow, look, our problem is solved. And they enter the tomb, and then there's this young man in white who says this, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. He is risen. Well, that one was kind of halfway there. That's all right. We'll keep doing it. It's good. He's alive. He's not in the tomb. He's not where they expected him to be. He's not a corpse decaying. He is a risen and reigning ruler of the universe. The Son of God is alive again. Jesus overcame death and literally was brought from death to life. Through the season of Lent, we were talking about all the the decay and the ways that we in our lives face this death, but Christ was, was brought from death to life again in his resurrection. It's the reason for our hope. It's the reason for our worship on Sundays. It's the high point of our faith. And just as his death was for us, here's what it means. We are raised with Christ. That's what Paul writes in Romans 6. We are raised with Christ. His resurrection opened the grave for us. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, this is in Romans 6, verse 5, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We're united with him in his death, Paul writes, because we're buried with him by baptism into death. We're buried with him, united with him in his death, crucified with Christ, so that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. So we're united with him in his death, so that we're united with him in his resurrection. We remember a lot of firsts. You know what Roger Bannister is famous for? The four-minute mile, that's right. First person to run a four-minute mile. And then like two weeks later, somebody else did it. We don't remember that guy. Somebody probably does. His, his descendants probably remember. Roger Bannister just barely beat him to it, or we'd be famous too. How about the Wright brothers? Most of us know that. Probably all of us, or we'll learn it soon. Edison was an inventor of many things, including the light bulb. How about Edmund Hillary? Mount Everest. Tenzing Norgay. Same expedition. His guide. That's right. That's right. Jesus was not the first to be raised, though. Jesus is not the first one who went from death to life. He raised Lazarus. Right? And the son of the widow at Nain. And Jairus' daughter. There's three in the Old Testament. One connected to Elijah and two with Elisha. But here's the difference. Where are those people now? 
what happened to those who were raised? They died again. What happened with Jesus? He lives. The grave having been opened, now Jesus lives, so we will live as well. We too will live. The grace, sorry, the grave has no claim on us. The grave has no claim over you and me because Jesus lives. So we face death in this life until the final completion when our graves will be opened. When the dead in Christ will rise again so that we will fully and completely and finally be brought from death to life. And we will live in his presence for eternity. So we look ahead to our own resurrection, but until then we live for God. We live for God. Everlasting life really has already begun. Jesus gives that by his grace, through the forgiveness of our sin, that we will live for eternity. But we don't have to wait until eternity for that or until we die. Here's what he wrote to Roman, the, the church at Rome in chapter 6, verse 13. Present yourselves to God as those who have been, in the kind of past perfect sense, have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We have been brought from death to life. We're already in that life. We're buried with him in baptism. We're raised again to new life. So that we can walk in this newness. We walk in newness of life. Present yourselves as those who have been brought death to life and walk in that newness Romans 6 verse 4 just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in newness sometimes people get a, a new lease on life have you heard that expression before sometimes that's that's people who maybe had a, a diagnosis that was dire and through treatment or Miraculous intervention, one way or another, that disease, that problem, that difficulty isn't so imminent, isn't such a problem. They recover. Or the accident victim, the car is just completely demolished, totaled, and maybe they have some minor injuries, but they walk away. With this expression, I have a new lease on life. We have a new lease on life. This is what newness of life is all about, that, that we can live for God today. We can live for God in the lives that we live now. We can live for God by presenting ourselves as those who have been brought from death to life, and our members, our lives, our bodies, our opportunities, our work, our gifts, our resources as instruments for righteousness. Jesus gives us that by grace. 
So we live in freedom. We live in hope. We live with joy. I love the cross adorned with flowers. Friday night, it was a stark reminder of the instrument of death that the cross is. What covers that is life, is joy, is excitement, is peace and hope. We're still going to face burdens in our lives. We're still going to have struggles and difficulties. We still live in this place that is broken, and we still have that brokenness. But thanks be to God. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because of his death on our behalf and his great resurrection from the dead, we walk in this newness. We've been brought from death to life. And with this new lease on life, we can live for him. Amen. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah.